scripture for this morning is uh, Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. Let me pray. My Father, you know the cry of my heart all week, and I pray that you would grant me that desire now. I pray, Father, that you would exalt yourself greatly. I pray that you would use your word to clarify your mission in the world, and I pray that you would give us fresh passion and power to be on mission with you. Oh, Father, it is an unbelievable privilege to know you and to be growing in you and to be going with you to the nations of the world. Such an unbelievable privilege. I remember the days, Lord, when I was rebelling against you, and I cannot believe that you rescued me and put me on the team Put, me, put a uniform on me and threw me out into the field. I can't believe it. It's an unbelievable privilege. And so I pray that you would fire us up now, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we've been learning from Hebrews chapter 11 that Jesus Christ has called every Christian to run a race. And we have defined the race like this. Christians are called to know Christ, to grow in Christ, and to go with Christ by faith together. So know, grow, and go by faith together. Today is our Mission Sunday, and I want to focus our attention then on the last aspects of of this race, namely going with Christ to our neighborhoods and to the nations for the glory of his name and for the joy of our own souls. And I want to begin by saying a few words about Psalm 96, and then after that I'm going to rehearse for you the outreach ministries of glory of Christ and seek to celebrate that with you. I want to tell you about three new opportunities that are there before us, and then I want to pray that God would prosper us in this way. So Psalm 96, our outreach ministries, a few new opportunities, and then we're going to pray. In the interest of time, as we turn to Psalm 96, I'm not going to go into a lot of details about this psalm, but I wish I could, and I do encourage you to meditate on it carefully. We memorized this psalm together earlier in the year for those of you who are on the Fighter Verse program, and I, I encourage you to meditate on it. It is very, very rich. So what I do want to do this morning, though, is point out to you a pattern that I see in the psalm 
that I think will really help us to envision the mission that God has put us on, and hopefully it will fire us up to be on that mission. And let me begin by just throwing the four words out there for you. I put them up on the PowerPoint so that you could see them, and then we'll talk about them each one, one by one. The words are exaltation, proclamation, confrontation, and exhortation. So exaltation, proclamation, confrontation, and exhortation. Let me deal with them one at a time now. This word exalt is probably one of my favorite words in the English language. It's exalt with a U, not, not exalt, but exult. And according to dictionary.com, this word means to show or feel lively or triumphant joy. I just love that definition. It means to rejoice exceedingly, to be highly elated or jubilant. And beloved, these are strong words and these are indeed the kinds of words we should feel in our hearts about God. More than we love love or sports or food or money or power or sex or anything in this world, we ought to love God and exult in God. We ought to enjoy God and sing the praises of God. As we see the glory of our Father, we should feel a lively and triumphant joy in Him. As we discover the grace of our Father, we should learn to rejoice exceedingly in who He is and how He does the things that He does. As we grow in love and intimacy with him, we should learn to be highly elated and jubilant in him. Now, I know that we don't always feel feelings like this, but, beloved, God is very great, and he intends to evoke this sort of measure and intensity of feeling from us. He wants this. Life with Christ is not just about feeling, but it is full of feelings. And the reason that we don't always feel a high level of feelings for God is because of our sin and brokenness. Believe me, on the day when your sin and brokenness is removed, you will rejoice exultingly in God forever and ever without any measure of, of, of decrease, but only and always increase. So it's sin and brokenness that suppresses our joy. But by the grace of God, as our eyes gain sight, our hearts come to life. When your eyes gain sight to see some contour of the glory of who God is, your heart comes to life before him. It's just a sort of an irrepressible instinct that happens when you see something awesome about God. And then when your heart comes to life, you will join the psalmist and sing. Look at verses 1 and 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. That's what happens to a heart that sees something of the glory of God, beloved. The psalmist is exploding with worship here, and it's not coming out of nowhere. I don't know what happened to him, but I promise you, somehow or other, the psalmist saw something of the glory of God, and he could not only help but sing, but he had to call on the rest of us to sing with him as well. And through the psalmist, God is teaching us a very important lesson, namely that fullness of joy in Christ is released as we express our praise to Christ. C.S. Lewis talked about this, that joy is completed when joy is expressed. So one of the reasons God commands us to praise him is because the praise of God completes our joy in God, and God very, very much wants us to have high joy in him. The expression of our joy heightens our joy and calls us further and deeper and higher and wider into that joy. Exaltation in God leads to further exploration of God. Joy begets joy. Regardless of what we think or feel, beloved, God is truly amazing. This is an objective fact about him. He is truly glorious. 
He is truly great. He is truly gracious. He is worthy of our praise. He seeks in this world to exalt his glory that we might taste it and worship him for it. And so declaring his glory among the nations, beloved, begins with worship. It begins with praise. It begins with deep, soul-satisfying, soul-strengthening exaltation in God. And with that as our foundation, we simply overflow with worship into the world. You know, all missions is, is the overflow of worship into the world. That's all it is. Pastor Kevin and I had the privilege of meeting with some pastors earlier this week, and I brought the devotional at our meeting And along the way in our conversation, the idea came to me that the heart of worship is really just, or the heart of missions, I mean, is just worship beginning worship. The heart of missions is the, is the worshiping heart of a child going into the world and spilling out with the worship of God so that other people are encouraged to worship God along with us. Missions is the love of God spilling over and beginning love for God in, in the lives of other people. Oh, beloved, please let the Lord speak to you about this. It all begins with exaltation. Missions into the world begins with a passionate love relationship with God. I cannot stress this enough. Worship is the fuel of missions. Worship is the purpose of missions. And with that as our basis, we come to our second word for the day, proclamation. So first, exaltation, and now proclamation. Jesus calls on us to love him because he first loved us. And then he calls on us to go into the world and speak of the joy that we have into him so that other people will believe as well. Jesus went out that we might come in, and now Jesus sends us out that still others might come in. Jesus gives us the privilege of going on mission with him, and that is just an unbelievable joy. As I said in my prayer, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day who also had a, a background similar to mine. We both were drug addicts, and oddly enough, we both grew up in the same part of Los Angeles. And we were both just looking at each other and saying, can you believe this, that God would not only save us, but then put us on mission together? It's just, it's unbelievable. It is a great privilege. He sends us out that others might come in. So let me read Psalms, Psalm 96, 1 through 4 again. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. So I take the word proclamation from the words, tell of his salvation and declare his glory among the nations. We're being called to say something about the glory of God. We exult in him and then we proclaim him. So let me draw your attention to three things in these verses. First of all, notice that we're to speak about the salvation of the Lord every day. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Overflowing in the world with the praise of God is not something we're supposed to do every once in a while, but it's supposed to be a lifestyle. Statistics show that many Christians never ever share their faith in Christ or even invite someone to church, but God is calling us for more. He's calling us higher together. But having said that, I want to say that our Father is not calling us to strive in our flesh and to go make sales presentations and to share his love out of a sense of duty. He's not calling us to that at all. Our Father is calling us to take such joy in Him that we can't help but overflow with praise of Him into the world. Beloved, passion for proclamation is the overflow of passion for God. 
The passion to love the lost and the least of these is just an overflow of our passion for the Lord himself. And we will come to see, I think, over time that the overflow of our lives is one measure of our delight in God. It's not the only measure. But when you look at how you're overflowing or not in your life, it is one measure of your delight in your Father. Every day of my life, I seek to touch somebody in some way with the good news of Jesus. For those of you who know me well and meet with me regularly and pray with me, you'll know that at the end of uh, every session almost when I'm meeting with somebody, I usually ask the Lord, I usually say something like, Lord, there's still time left in the day. So please use our lives to glorify your name and touch somebody else. And that's the prayer of my heart every day. I'm not the greatest at it, but in some way or other, I want to touch somebody with the love of Jesus every day of my life. And then one to two days a week, sometimes three days a week, I go out to one of two selected neighborhoods that I have adopted, and I go into those neighborhoods, and I pray for the people there, and I hand out invitations to the church, and I pray for opportunities to talk with people, and sometimes God gives me the opportunity to do that. And I do these things, beloved, not, so that, not because it's a duty, or not so that I can stand in front of you and say it. I do these things because I can't help myself. I was thinking of my good friend down from the south. Her name is Andrea, and she says, I can't help it, and that's how I feel. I share the love of Jesus because I just can't help it. Day by day, I seek the Lord by his spirit and by his word. I open up his word, and he nourishes my soul, and he fills me up, and he gives me something to give to somebody else. I might not have a lot to give, but I've got something to give. And so, by the grace of Christ, I'm committed to seek his face and to pursue relationships with his people and then also take the love of Jesus to the lost day by day by day by day. Now, of course, there are times when I have to discipline myself to do that. There are times, Tracy, this is what I was talking about earlier this morning, when I don't feel like doing what God has called me to do. And Tracy was just sharing this morning, she sometimes feels that as well. I think we all feel that. Sometimes we don't want to do what God has called us to do. There are days when it comes time for me to go out to the neighborhoods that are on my heart and do some outreach, and I don't want to do it. Either I'm afraid, or I'm being lazy, or I'm busy, or I'm distracted. But by obedience to Jesus, I say, Lord, I'm going to go. And I'm just testifying to you honestly. I have never gone in the name of Christ except that he has given me the passion and power I needed to share his love. He always gives you enough to overflow if you'll just obey him and go. It's just really that simple. And so God calls us to overflow every day because it's a measure of our delight in God. Missions is not about duty. It's a delight, beloved. Missions is the overflow of our love and worship of Jesus Christ. No, as we go, there are different ways of saying what the Lord would have us say. But according to Psalm 96, our task and our delight is to declare the glory of God among the people and to tell of his marvelous works to the people. So as we go, what are we supposed to do? Declare the glory of God and tell of the works of God. Now, the glory of God pinnacles in Jesus Christ. And the works of God also pinnacle in Jesus Christ. So we can look at Psalm 96 and say that we are being called to overflow with worship, to go into the world and proclaim the name of Jesus to everybody who will listen to us. To declare the glory of God is to declare Jesus, beloved. To tell of the works of God, every single one of them is to tell of Jesus. I tried to show you that when we were in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and when we go back to Judges and Ruth, I'm going to try to show you how every act of God in history is ultimately pointing to Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. As Pastor Kevin said, even two plus two equals Jesus. 
And so ultimately, we do it in different ways, but we are called to go out into this world and proclaim Christ as the overflow of exaltation, as the overflow of love. The final thing I want to point out about this part of the psalm is that the reason we declare the greatness of God is because he's actually great. Look at verse 4. Don't take that lightly. This, this verse is saying we praise God for a reason. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. So the reason we say God is great is because God is actually great. And the reason we call on people to exult in the greatness of God be, is because he's the only one worthy of such action. We call upon people to praise God more than they praise their favorite sports teams or heroes or hobbies. Great people call for great praise, and since God is greater than all, he calls for the highest praise from each and all. Yesterday I was actually out in the neighborhood doing some outreach, and one, one particular house, these people just must worship the Vikings. I mean, their whole house. I'm surprised they didn't paint the house purple. because everything, I mean, their mailbox was painted purple. Everything purple, purple, purple. Vikings, Vikings, Vikings. And I just thought, I'm a fan of the Vikings too, but I really long, Jesus, for this family to think of you like that, where they would want to take everything they have and put Jesus on display and say, he's amazing. He's better than the Vikings, a lot better than the Vikings. So we're called to go into the world and call on people to worship Jesus with us. This brings us to the third word for the day. So, so far we've talked about exaltation and then proclamation, and now I want to talk about this word confrontation, and I get it from verses 5 and 6. So if you'll please look there with me. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I'm not going to say a lot about these verses, but I do want to point out that there is no way to proclaim the truth of God in the world without confronting the idols that the devil and the world and our own flesh have us set up for ourselves. Idols are those things in our lives that compete with the worship of God in our lives. So usually when we hear the word idols, we think about, say, India or somewhere like that where they build statues and they call their gods by different names and they'll actually sacrifice to those gods and worship those gods and all of that. And and those are idols. But also sports can be an idol or a relationship can be an idol. Your family can be an idol. My bicycle could become an idol. Money could become an idol. Anything that competes with our hearts for the primary place that God has in our lives can become an idol. And there's no way to uh, faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus without confronting the idols of culture. There's no way. There's no way to tell people to walk toward God unless we also tell them to walk away from their idols. The call to spiritual and cultural and interpersonal confrontation is not fun and it is certainly not easy, but it's necessary. And as we engage in this kind of activity by faith, we come to share in the sufferings of Jesus and we come to share in the depth of the joy of Jesus. Do you know how much Jesus suffered for us? Do you know how much it cost him to confront our idols? He suffered that we might have eternal life and now he gives us this unbelievable privilege of going into the world and suffering just a little bit with him so that other people can come to faith in Christ as well. It's just amazing to me that he grants us that kind of privilege. So confrontation is a necessary part of proclamation, but it's not our ultimate goal. There's a fourth word that is our ultimate goal, 
exaltation, proclamation, confrontation, and then exhortation. And in this case, what I mean by this is that we're offering an invitation to other people to believe in Jesus with us and worship Jesus with us and delight in Jesus with us. We're exhorting them, come, come, love this great King who has given everything for you. I get this from Psalm 96, 7 through 13. So let me just read these again. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. See, he's, he's exhorting them to worship God. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So there's the pattern. Exaltation, proclamation, confrontation, and exhortation. We begin by worshiping the Lord until he fills us up and causes us to spill over into the world. And then we go, and in some way, shape, or form, we proclaim the glory of God, and we confront the idols of culture. And in the end, we're asking people, come and worship Jesus with us. We are not sent into the world to be a bunch of grumpy and judgmental curmudgeons that are there to tell everybody what they're doing wrong and just calling them to straighten out. Our goal is to tell the truth to be sure, but our goal is to confront idols in our own hearts and in our culture that people might look to God and and walk away from things that give them false joy. So many people in our city are worshiping things that are giving them a joy that will fade away. And so we're inviting them to come and taste a joy that cannot possibly fade away, that will never be stolen and cannot be taken from them. We're called to go and say, oh, peoples of my neighborhood and of the nations, come and ascribe glory to the Lord with me. Come and worship the one who is truly great. Beloved, this is a pattern worth noting and remembering and pondering and practicing. Exaltation, proclamation, confrontation, and exhortation. And with that in mind, I want to take a few minutes now and say a few things about the state of missions and outreach at Glory of Christ Fellowship. From my point of view, I don't think this is a real strength of our church, and it never really has been. I think on a scale of 1 to 10, we are probably at about a 3 or a 4, and I would love, my heart would long to see us more at a 7 or an 8, and I pray that God would help us move in that way in the next year and the next two years. But having said that, I also want to say to you that we are not at zero on this scale and that we have things to celebrate together. We need to ponder this fact. Sometimes we as people and we as a church can get stuck in a rut and we can become so discouraged about who we are not that we fail to give Christ thanks for who he has made us to be. Sometimes we get so concerned about what Christ is not doing that we're blind to the glorious things Christ is doing. And I want us to see today what Christ is doing. I want us to celebrate what Christ is doing. I want us to build upon by faith and by the Holy Spirit what Christ is doing. So I want to take just a few minutes and rehearse for you what we're up to and to celebrate what Christ is up to. And my heart, again, for this time is that we will see and celebrate and have a heart to build. 
that we would have a heart to go further and farther for the glory of Jesus and the good of the nations and the joy of our own souls. So I'm just going to quickly list the things that I know about. If I miss any ministries or, or if I misstate something, please let me know because I want to keep an accurate list so that we can celebrate what Christ is doing. So here's local and global missions as I see it. We're going to go from global to local. Glory of Christ Fellowship gives financial and prayer support to Sarah Fergus, who is seeking to reach the Bara people on the island of Madagascar. So here we are in Elk River, but we have a foot on the island of Madagascar, praising the name of Jesus there. We're there. We give financially and we give prayer support to Alex Berberick, who established a home for orphans and who is reaching out to the children in her village and who is partnering with a pastor in town to plant other churches and seeking to reach Hindus. We're here in Elk River, but beloved, part of us is in northeast India. We are about the mission of Christ together. We give prayer support and some of us give personal financial support to Amos and Meredith Anderson, who are seeking to reach Muslim people in Albania by planting churches there. We give prayer support, and from what I understand, some give personal financial support to Catherine Rivard, who was just with us a few minutes ago and who will be with us next hour. Serving as a bridge between the global and the local, we have our own David and Carmen Gunderson. We give them financial support, and we give them prayer support, and we give them a lot of hugs and friendly harassments too, right? And then she gave us some, what I called the other night, Sharon cake, because it was to share with everybody. She made this amazing apple pie, and it was very, very good. And we're partnering with them to reach out to Somalis right here in Minneapolis, You don't have to necessarily go to the nations to reach the nations anymore. The nations have come to us. Beloved, I want us to be awake to the fact that we as a body are reaching out to one of the nations that have come to us through this precious family. This is happening in our midst. We should celebrate it. Turning to our local efforts. Glory of Christ invests $300 every month in the church planting efforts of Treasuring Christ Together Network. This network was born out of Bethlehem Baptist Church, and it's comprised of Bethlehem and the 13 churches that we have planted over the last 10 years, and we're now, we have actually one granddaughter church, and we're about to plant another granddaughter church. So Bethlehem, in the last 10 years, and with our cooperation, has planted 13 churches. One of those churches has planted another church, and another one is about to plant another one. I haven't talked with you a lot about this over the years, and I repent for that. I should have said more to you about what's going on with this because it's very exciting. But I want you to know this morning that over these six years that Glory of Christ has existed, this little body has invested fifteen to $20,000 in the church planting efforts. And because of that, our money has been used in the beginning of seven of the 13 churches that Bethlehem has planted. And I have personally been on the leadership team that have selected the leaders and sent out those leaders. So our church has a direct hand in church planting, both in Minnesota and around the United States. We should see that. We should celebrate that. We should ask God for more power to do more of that. Right here in Elk River, we have people who are involved at various levels in the following ministries, and I'm just going to list them off for you. Some are involved in Community Action Elk River, or CARE for short, which provides food and clothing for those who are in need. Guardian Angels, which provides services for elderly people. Abba Pregnancy Resource Center, which advocates for life and reaches out to young men and women who need help when they're facing a pregnancy. In fact, we just had our banquet this week, and it was glorious. The Lord was very good, and and several of us here were involved in that. Praise be to God. 
Some of you are involved in the Marie Sandvik Center, which ministers to the poor in the heart of Minneapolis. Three that I know of are involved in jail and prison ministries who are seeking to share the gospel with prisoners. And as I said to you a few weeks ago, our brother Matt Ward, who is sick this morning and can't be here, but he usually always sits right there. Matt Ward had the privilege of baptizing over 40 men a couple of weeks ago who came to Christ in the prisons. And we had a part in that. It's not all about us, but I want us to see we had a part in that. And besides these official ministries, I am in a place just as a pastor where I hear stories every week about some of you who are sharing the love of Jesus Christ in one way or another. I heard a story this week that I want to tell you so bad, but it would take me about 10 minutes and and I don't have the time to tell you, but I just want you to know that some of us in this body are actively engaged in sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the lost and with the least of these, and I think we should celebrate that. Glory of Christ. We may not be the greatest church at missions and outreach, but for the glory of our Savior, we should celebrate what he's doing through us. Amen? Have a heart to see his grace manifesting in the life of his church and then say, Jesus, it's amazing that you're doing that. Praise him for it. We are not at zero on the scale. In fact, we're not even at one or two. We have a lot of growing to do, but beloved, we are growing and we should rejoice in who Christ has made us to be and we should build upon that foundation. And speaking of building, I want to let you know about three new opportunities that you could engage in even today if you had the heart to do it. First of all, in your bulletins, there are two things I'd like you to pull out now. First of all, you'll see this card, and then there's another green bookmark called Praying for Your Neighbors, if you'll grab both of those. This card is an invitation card that was designed by Paul Gilmer, our resident and amazing graphic artist. And this card was designed as a means by which we can invite our neighbors and our friends to come to glory of Christ. This green bookmark is a card that I prepared to help us figure out how to pray for our neighbors and how to pray for our neighborhoods. So I want you to see these two things as a, as a team. These things work in tandem. This card gives you an excuse to go into your neighborhood, and this card tells you how to pray when you do go into your neighborhood. And so we have ordered about 2,500 of these things, and we'd like to see them get spread all over our, our city. We're calling on you as individuals, as families, and as community groups to take these if you want them. There's a pile of them over there on the missions table. Take as many of them as you want. If you wipe them out, we have more or we'll order more. And we'd like to see these being handed out. You could walk together through neighborhoods and either put these in people's uh, newspaper boxes. You can't put them in mailboxes. That's illegal and we'll get in trouble. Please don't do that. But you can put them in people's newspaper boxes or you could go up to their door and try to speak to them or whatever the Lord puts on your heart to do. This is part of what I've been doing one to two or three days a week over the last couple of months is there's two neighborhoods that the Lord has put on my heart and I just walk through those neighborhoods. I pray for them. I've been putting these in people's newspaper boxes and I've been asking the Lord, Father, while I'm walking around the neighborhood, just give me chances to interact with people and he has done that from time to time. So this is one way that you could uh, go to your neighborhood. When we run out of these, we're just gonna order more. We'll have uh, maybe a different picture from time to time to keep it fresh, but the idea is that we want to keep on inviting people to church and more importantly, keep on praying for neighborhoods. My personal commitment is is to go to my chosen neighborhoods at least once a month, month after month after month. So instead of going to different neighborhoods a lot, I want to go a lot to the same neighborhoods. And again, while I'm there, this card or any invitation that I give, this is, to me is essentially an excuse for me to pray for the people that are there. And only God knows what would happen, right? 
I was telling, Kim and I actually did some of this last night together, and I was telling her, honey, how do you know? Maybe somebody would get this card and go to our website back here, and maybe something on our website, maybe a blog entry, maybe one of our links, maybe a sermon, maybe something that they read. Maybe it would greatly impact their lives, and something would change, and we'll never even hear about it. We'll never even know about it. But what I want to tell you for sure is that you can't grow a seed unless you sow a seed. So sow some seed and trust that God will grow that seed. Second thing, in your bulletins, I want you to also pull out this letter now if you would. This is a letter on world relief uh, um, paper, whatever. What am I trying to say? Letterhead. But this is from David and Carmen Gunderson. They have been given an opportunity to go to East Africa for about two weeks, and they're going in early part of December. This came up kind of quick, and uh, World Relief is blessing them to go. The elders of our church are also blessing them to go. In fact, a few weeks ago, almost as if God knows what he's doing or something like that, our treasurer, Asa Vick, uh, wrote to the elders and said, listen, the giving at Glory of Christ has been really strong, and we've got to give more money away. We have to make sure that we tithe as a church. We have to make sure we're giving at least 10% away. So we have to give away this amount of dollars. And we prayed about that. And we decided as elders to bless Carmen and David and to invest $2,000 in their trip to Africa. So you can read more about this here. And I pray that you will. I'm really excited about what they're going to do. And if you have a heart to personally invest in their ministry, then please do that. In a way, what I would like us to see as a church is that we are going to East Africa. They are the hands and feet, but we as a body are going to Africa together. I'm very excited about that, you guys. You're very near, I, I'm not going to lie and say you're at the top of my prayer list, but you're, you're at about number three, and I pray for you regularly, and I'm really, really glad that God has put this together. Finally, I just want you to know about something. The pastors of the church planning network that I told you about, we met in Memphis two weeks ago, and among other things, we decided to begin investing in a ministry in, in central India that I'm very excited about. The ministry is called Reaching All Nations, and the leader of that ministry, some of you will remember, he was actually here with us two or three years ago, Vijay Masala. He's a little Indian guy about, about that high, just filled with passion and filled with power. And what he's doing is training pastors and leaders. He's planting about 100 churches per year in India, and he's running two orphanages. So as a network of churches, we have decided to sponsor one of his leadership um, events that he puts on each year, and that's going to cost $2,000 a year. We've invested in that for five years. So a total of $10,000 has been committed to him, and we've also committed to send some of our pastors over there to help with the training. So they're looking for pastors, and they're looking for particularly skilled uh, lay people. What I mean by that is lay people who have particular skills to go over there and help to train pastors. And if you have a heart for what God is doing in Central India, let me know about it, because it may be that the Lord would help you to plug into that as well. I'm very excited about that. So three things, the cards and the prayer, the prayer guides, and please just go into your neighborhoods for the glory of Jesus, the Gundersons, and then church planting in India if that's something that grabs your heart. Also, I did want you to know with that part, every single month when we send our $300 into the church planting network, every single month a part of that money is going to affect the planting of churches in India as well. And I'm very, very excited about that, beloved. So with this in mind, I want to call you now to make a firm commitment to the body of Christ because we come together and we covenant in membership together, beloved, not just for the sake of membership, but for the sake of mission. Indeed, we are on a mission from God. Amen? 
We're not the Blues brothers and sisters, but we are on a mission from God. That's what we're doing here. Christ unites us together so that he can propel us out together into the world. And our commitment to one another has everything to do with our outreach to those who need to know Jesus. And so I want to call on you to commit to the bride and then to think about how God might use you. If you have a heart for global missions, please let us know. In some way, shape, or form, we can plug you in. If you have a heart for church planting, let me know. We'll plug you in somewhere. If you have a heart for mercy ministries, I pray that you'd get involved in one of the ministries that I mentioned or dream up something new with us. Let God birth a dream in you and let's see what he might do. If you have a heart to share the gospel with the lost, then get in touch with Asa Veek or Matt Ward or me or somebody like that and we'll equip you and make sure you have tools and know-how and partnership as you go into the world. Beloved, here's the point that I want to make at this part of the message. Whatever your thing is, find your thing and do your thing. Whatever your thing is, find your thing and do your thing. Your thing might not be my thing. Find your thing and do your thing. And when you do your thing, leave all the results to God. Don't worry about the results. He has not called you to produce particular results. He's called you into the privilege of going on mission with him. So go with him and leave the results to God. And as you find your thing and do your thing, don't worry about the criticisms of other people. You can learn from them, but don't let them discourage you. I love what Dwight Moody said. He was being criticized by people for how he was evangelizing, and he said, listen, I prefer my way of doing it over your way of not doing it. And I really appreciate that. Don't compare yourself to other people. We should be iron that sharpens iron. If you see me doing something and you know that I can do it better, please tell me. But if someone's just sort of criticizing you and trying to put you down or slow you down, don't let them do it. Find your thing. Do your thing for the glory of Christ and be encouraged. God is faithful. He will bear the fruit that he has intended to bear through you. So I want to close now by spending a little bit of time in prayer. And before I do that, I want to read with you 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, 2, 3. I put this up on the screen there, and I'd like you to actually read this out loud with me, please. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So I want to give you a few minutes. I'm going to open in prayer. I'm going to give you a few minutes to just pray in your hearts. And I want to ask you in that silence to pray for the ministries that I mentioned and then also just offer your heart to God. And after I've given you a little bit of time with the Lord, I will close us in prayer. So let me start us. My Father, I thank you so much for Psalm 96 and I thank you for your clear clarion call to send us into the world to exult in you, to proclaim you, to confront idols, and to exhort people to come and worship you along with us. I pray, Father, that in these moments you would give us clarity and passion and power and help us understand the depth of the privilege that we have to know Christ and to grow in Christ and to go with Christ by faith together. So, Father, I ask you now to speak to your people and I thank you for what you will do. Father, these are sacred moments as we seek not only to talk about mission, but to submit ourselves to you so that we can go on mission together with you. And so again, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. I pray that 
any words that I spoke that were not from you, that people would just completely forget about it, but that the words that were truly from you, I pray that you'd use them to call your people into mission, Lord. I pray that we would trust you, that we would engage this race, that we would get on the field, that we would run with passion and with uh, perseverance. And I pray that you would bear much fruit through us, Father. We don't have much to give, but a little bit in the hands of Jesus can go a very, very long way. So we surrender ourselves to you, Father. And Father, in these sacred moments, I want to, as a priest of the Most High God, Lord, just like every believer is a priest, I want to come before the throne of God by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to lift up to you the ministries that are taking place here. And I want to ask you, Father, with all sincerity from my heart, that you would bless these ministries, Lord. Give them resources. Give them passion. Give them power. Give them all that they need to accomplish the things that you have sent them to accomplish, Lord. Cause them to bear the fruit that you have already determined that they should bear. Father, I lift up Sarah Fergus and the Bara people of Madagascar. I lift up Alex Berberick and Baraka House and the children that live there and the children in the village and the lost people in the surrounding villages. And I pray that you would cause a great revival to break out in Northeast India. Lord, so many people have tried for that over the centuries. And I pray that you would give her success and give others success who are ministering there. I pray, Father, for Amos and Meredith Anderson who are seeking to reach out to the Muslims in Albania. And I pray, Father, that you would give them all that they need. I thank you for sparing the life of their son last week, Lord, as he dealt with a very serious illness. And I pray that you would give them everything they need to reach Muslims in that area. Oh, Father, what a historic and hard area to reach. But I pray that you would break through. Father, I pray for Catherine, who is with us today. I pray that you would give her fresh passion and power for the Bible and for translation and for the peoples of Papua New Guinea. I pray for David and Carmen Gunderson, and I thank you so much for the opportunity that they have to go to East Africa. I thank you for the opportunity that they have to minister to Somalis right here in the Twin Cities day by day, and I pray that you'd bless them greatly, Father, that you would keep them. I pray that you'd give them a fresh sense of clarity for the mission that you've called them to do. I pray that you would encourage them, Father, and give them all that they need to keep on keeping on. And I pray with all my heart that we would see Somalis come to Christ Oh, Lord, I want to see the day when a Somali brother or sister could stand in this church and say, I came to love love Jesus. Oh, Father, we want to see it, and I pray that it would happen. I pray for the Treasuring Christ Together Network and all the church, churches that have been planted including this one. And I pray for fresh resources and passion and power to plant more churches around the Twin Cities and around the country that more people might know you. And Father, I pray for the ministries of care and for guardian angels and for Abba Pregnancy Center and for Marie Sandvik. And I pray for the jail and the jail and prison ministries. And I pray for the evangelistic ministries that are happening through the lives of our people. And I pray for those ministries that I have not mentioned because I don't know about them. Lord, I pray that you would uh, pour your power upon them. Father, I pray for us as we go out into the cities with these invitation cards and with a heart to pray for our neighbors. And I pray that as priests before the Most High that you would hear our prayers. I pray that you would transform Elk River and Monticello and St. Michael and Rogers and Zimmerman and Princeton and Ramsey and this whole area by the power of the glory of Jesus. Lord, teach us to go by faith knowing that you will bear fruit through our faith even if we never see it. 
Father, I pray that people would rise up to stand with the Gundersons and send them to East Africa. And I pray, Father, that, that you would pour your power upon Vijay Masala as he seeks to train more people and plant more churches this year. Father, I love you. I truly, deeply love you. Lord, you know that I'm not speaking for the audience here. I'm speaking for you. I love you and I thank you for what you're doing in glory of Christ and through glory of Christ. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, hearts to celebrate, and fresh passion to go for the glory of your name and the good of the nations and the joy of our souls, we pray. And I thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.